Yum. PG. PG for me. PG for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to This, That, and the Other Thing. I'm Stephanie, along with recent birthday girl and co-host, Danielle. Hello! And uh, yeah, we're at episode 76 here. I can't believe it. I know. I say that every episode. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're still here. And I say, I know, every time. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. we're still here. Yes. And we were like, oh, we're going to do it up for 75. And last time I totally forgot it was 75, because it oh. was our season you yeah, know, return. Entry. <laughs> and then uh yeah and obviously we were a little rusty because our my microphone was all off so hopefully we've got it back uh back in business this time although yes my voice is a little raspy got the covid mm-hmm. finally got us over here so boo. Boo. <laughs> boo 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 but everybody's fine the kids don't even have a sniffle yeah, that's lucky. I mean, for you, what's the worst? This raspy voice, really? Yeah, I mean, I a little headache was yeah main thing was the headache and uh, just trying to keep hydrated. Um, but really, it's like a head cold. That's I mean, not that's bad for us. I, I'll take it. Yeah, you know, we've lasted for almost three years now. <laughs> so yeah. really, it's if the strains keep getting less and less, then we hit the jackpot here. So yep. Thankfully, um, everyone, it's okay. Yes, and I'd rather be sick than have the kids sick because it's harder for them. True, true. You know, I hate seeing them sick. And, uh, and we're going to head out to Tennessee in a week and a half here, so at least we'll be clear and we can go on our trip and get some other sickness. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is not as bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, although I prefer not to get the monkeypox at this point. So. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, uh, I heard a, like a whole story on someone who explained like what it is and what all that and i was like no i don't think anybody else needs that swipe yep i'm just gonna go past that and just <laughs> wait for the next thing let's see what's you, the next you thing go, collect your hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like i mentioned it was your birthday recently so why uh, did you do anything fun yeah um let's see so my birthday was a thursday this year which i always I hate when it's in the middle of the week yeah. but that's the majority of the time right so um we john and i uh just had some dinner we went out for sushi after i got home from work very nice mm-hmm. hadn't had it in a while so that was nice <laughs> um and then we came home and i think we watched a movie that evening um and you know, birthday presents of course um and then that weekend, um, I, oh gosh, now I'm not remembering how it came up, <laughs> but um, I, we had talked about like toys we used to play with when we were little. And I said, you know, my family was a Connects family. Yes. And yep. he was a Lego family. And I said, I never played with Legos because we had the Connects. And he's like, oh my God. So for my birthday, we went to uh, one of the Lego stores nearby and I got to pick out a set to build fun Um, yeah so it was like super duper fun um i ended up getting two of them okay um what are they so one is um like a house for christmas oh it's all set up with little things and oh my god there were so many options first of all let me just tell you that like it was insane and i didn't know i was just 
walking around the store like I don't know what to pick. I don't know like I don't want to spend like six hundred dollars on the coolest biggest thing because <laughs> it's I don't very really easy to like do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I was like, okay, well I gotta get something that's kind of reasonable and like enough pieces that's gonna keep me occupied. Um, and I saw this. And John was like, well, you know, you could do it because, okay, also my main thing, side <laughs> note, is that I didn't want to just get it and like forget about it, like put it together yeah. once and be like, okay, well, that was good. That was a waste of money in my mind. So because it is wintertime and Christmas themed, mm -hmm. John said, why don't you get that one? Because it's enough pieces. It's, it's pretty big. And you can put it together every Christmas. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly <laughs> what I needed. Like, this is like the point of what I wanted from Lego. So I got that. Um, and they recently came out with like a bunch of like flower type uh, arrangements mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I ended up getting one of those because it looked really good. And we all know I can't keep anything alive, but this I can. <laughs> so <laughs> so I then I said, okay, well, I've got one for Christmas and now I'll put this together in the spring for flowers. Very nice. You put it on so, windowsill. Yes. Something to look at. <laughs> Add some like uh, essential oil and yeah. you know, like, diffuser. Perfect. Like the real thing. Oh, it smells like lilac in here. <laughs> Why is that? Lego lilac. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that what we did. Fun. Yeah. Did, very fun. did you have the annual icebox cake with dad? Yes. Uh, so his birthday is five days after me. Yes, yesterday. And so that was yesterday. So uh, we went over for dinner after work and then we had cake together. Very nice. Yep. I've got so long leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> Sounds like dessert on the menu. Yep, for sure. <laughs> you know, that's just part of your history, right? Always having that icebox cake. And yes. This episode is all about history because we're talking about some historical figures, um, just interesting people of history. We each picked a random person and learned about a little bit, and um, we're going to talk about them today. Yeah, and hopefully we don't bore you too much and you find it interesting as well. I always find an interesting history, you know. It's, yeah, me too. I, that was my favorite subject in school. Always enjoyed See, for it. For me, it was not. I hated it so much. And then, like, in the last 10 years, I got real interested in it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, for me, with history, it was like, it was one of those subjects, like, I knew I could nail to because it's all memorization mm. really for history that was my yeah and, uh, so too many yeah. names and numbers yeah or like dates i should say numbers <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so we're gonna play a little round of guess who in the beginning here get some clues see if we can have any clue of to who this person is yeah um and uh and then we'll hear about them so i'm gonna start guessing yours Okay. Yeah, I feel like I need to have the little board in front of me, you know? <laughs> yeah, like the Guess Who board Yeah, game, the Guess yes. Who board game. <laughs> um, this episode is not sponsored by Guess Who, but I do enjoy playing it. They have Guess Who, like, so many varieties now. They have, like, Guess Who Pets. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a thing now? Okay. Gosh. Um, all right. So I got to go with the basic. Uh, uh -huh. Is this person a oh, man? No. Oh, okay. Flip, 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 flip. Female. <laughs> um, see, there's more variety here since I'm not just picking mm -hmm. from hair color and eye color. Was this person alive, let's see, before 1930? Yes. Okay. Oldie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this person is no longer alive. <laughs> no. No, not by a um, handful of years. <laughs> did this person create anything or invent something yes okay always good to go with an inventor mm -hmm. 
I should have limited the questions here. So then we have. <laughs> um, let's see. What else can I think of? Um, is this person from America? No. No. Okay. No. Do you want me to just tell you? Oh, I'll tell you in, in the whole history of her. Oh, okay. Um, is this person still talked about regularly today? No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm, very obscure. Very, oh, very obscure. So well, then I have absolutely no <laughs> chance of guessing this. I'll ask no, one more question. No, probably not. <laughs> um, ooh, yeah, okay, no, I don't. After that obscurity, <laughs> though, I'm just totally thrown yeah. off. So, all <laughs> right. Likelihood is very slim here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All Who right. is your mystery historical figure? All right. So, this lady's name is Agnes Bertha Marshall. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> 100%. Definitely, right? I was going to say that. I'm so mad at myself. Why don't I just say it? <laughs> so, yes. So, uh, Agnes Bertha Marshall, or as other people can re- will refer to her as A.B. Marshall, but I'm going to just refer to her from here on out as A.B. Because okay. it's easy. Uh, she was born in, um, oh gosh, I hope I say this right, Walth- Walthamstow, Essex. And oh, British, right now, yeah. British lady. Yes. Today that is East London. <laughs> okay. That's a lot easier to say. <laughs> yes. um, so she was born to John and Susan Smith. That, uh, that was a lot easier. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, she lived from t- the 24th of August of 1855 oh, okay. to the 29th of July, 1905. Okay. Wow. Yes. And she grew up to be given the great honor of being dubbed the Queen of Ices. Queen of Isis. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> uh, so she, we don't have too much information on her childhood. Okay. Um, we know that her father died when she was young, and her mother eventually remarried. Um, we do know that she began her path in the world of cooking at a very young age. Mm. Okay, more more of her history there. Um, it said she worked under skilled Parisian and Viennese chefs. Oh. So that's pretty good. In 1878, uh, A.B. Marshall, or I presume she was uh, A.B. Smith at that point, uh, she married Alfred William Marshall and became A.B. Marshall. Okay. Uh, he was 10 years her senior. A couple years later in 19, oh gosh, 19, 1883, mm-hmm. the couple purchased a building that was home to the National Training School of Cookery, and they renamed it to Marshall School of Cookery. Um, two years later, 1885, the uh, they were able to increase the population of the school from 40 students to 2,000 students. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a big Pretty jump. Good. Yep. Classes at the school were offered year-round. They went from daily, monthly, semester-long, and all the way up to year-long classes. Um, so A.B. and Alfred took a quick 10 years to expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was not only for the cooking, but included things like an employment agency for domestic staff, uh, a food shop, which sold uh, what was prepared by the students at the school, uh, and also sold household equipment and cooking supplies. And all of the items were carrying the Marshall's label. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was also during the 10 years that A.B. published three or four cookbooks, or three of her four cookbooks, and the fourth coming out just a year later in year 11. 
this was the first one, The Book of Ices. Second one, Mrs. A.B. Marshall's Book of Cookery. Third is Mrs. A.B. Marshall's Larger cook- Cookery Book of Extra Recipes. I'm loving the cookery word. Right? You don't hear cookery often <laughs> <No>. anymore. <laughs> and the final one was Fancy Ices. <laughs> Fancy Ices. Okay. Um, so she even added a weekly magazine in 1886 to all of the things she was already doing. Uh, that was called The Table. Um, and on top of that, she went on tours for lectures and demonstrations. So she's a very busy lady. Yeah, really. <laughs> right? Especially back then. You know, she's a hustler. She's not staying at home and yeah, taking no. care of the house and the kids. Like, she's out there. No, no. Yeah. So, so this was all from the time she got married in 1878. And started doing all the cookery, 1883. And by the time she did the magazine and her last book was 1891, 1894. So that's a pretty, pretty good in those handful of years. Uh, so if you didn't think she was busy and taking the world by storm yet, oh. just listen to this. <laughs> uh, on top of a cooking school, on top of the cookbooks, on mm-hmm. top of the weekly magazine and all of the products she made available and the tours, she started to offer something we have all come to love today. Ooh. Drum roll, please. Uh, it was a ground almond handheld delight in the shape of none other than a cone. Oh, oh! She called this the cornet a la cream, aka the ice cream cone. (laughs) I eat this like every night. I'm going to have one tonight, and I'm going to say thank you, (laughs) AB Marshall. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So this isn't exactly the cones that we see today, and it isn't necessarily the first ice cream cone in history either. Uh, It seems there were wafers that were rolled into a cone and filled with fruit pastes or creams during the 1700s. So she kind of just maybe put her own spin on it at this point in time and made it a little more popular. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the cones did help with something less than sanitary in ice cream eating, though. Oh. (laughs) Apparently, in this time, street vendors used to sell ice cream by the lick. What? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> How Hello, lovely is bubonic that? plague. Okay. <laughs> yep. uh, so they were use a small glass or a dish and they would <laughs> they would sell it in those little vessels. Um, that lick vessel would be returned to the vendor after the person finished using it, who would then wash it or oh, no. not so much wash it when they had a large line and turnaround times needed to be real quick uh, and then they would refill it again for the next person <laughs> oh god god oh so you can see the need for the ice cream cone being a little a little priority maybe for these vendors i don't know <laughs> yeah. you know you're thankful for times you live in but even just that right imagine imagine going to your local neighborhood ice cream truck you hear the the bells and the, and the music, and it's all exciting. And you go there, and you get a dish of ice cream that you lick on the spot <laughs> and give it back. And imagine you're the third person in line and getting the same dish. Yeah, you come on, watched. guys. I mean, we got the little <laughs> tasting spoons. Yeah, no, oh. now, but not then. Oh. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, so uh ab was taking the ice cream world by storm at this point um she stuck with the early 1700s era of flavors 
for her ice cream at this point, um, which were all recipes you could find in her cookbooks. Mm -hmm. The flavors included savory and not just sweet treats. So think things like foie gras, fish curry. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. Mix. I'm looking at her <laughs> larger cookery book right now to pull uh-huh. up some of these recipes. So. Mm-hmm. This page, I just so. have to say, this book is 700 pages long. A recipe right. book. Mm-hmm. It is 700 pages, yep. and it's like there's like and that's two. Is that the first cookery book. No, I think or this, is the, the this is the larger one. Larger cookery book of okay. extra recipes. Yeah. Right, and this I'm looking extra. here, and it's got sauces. There's like two full chapters on just sauces this lady i tell you she was so smart to do this her and her her team of whoever she had with her because like when you see and you say the the book of cookery and then the larger book with extra recipes like obviously they're meant to go together because she probably references one and the other so she's smart she was smart i like it uh so again foie gras fish curry uh, she had a Neapolitan type mix that uh, we probably wouldn't be so happy with today. Uh, the flavors being tomato, pea, and artichoke. Mm. <laughs> and this is an ice cream. Gross. <laughs> Come on, she's the queen of the ices, you would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, so, <laughs> all this variety of flavor would lend itself to the use of her ever-growing collection of available molds. So on top of her cookbooks and all of her, you know, food in her shops and seasonings and whatnot, she also had molds and (laughs) she would very often use them for the ice cream, making the flavor apparent with whatever matching mold, you know, things like the foie gras would be in a duck mold. So you would know exactly what flavor you're, you're getting there. So in that shop, she sold all these beautiful molds and you could make her recipes and get the mold and have a grand old time. It's pretty incredible. Yep. Um, so Amy also recognized that the average person would have a difficult time making ice cream uh, that was in her cookbooks. Um, so what did she do? She patented one of the earliest home ice cream makers, right? So that brought Amazing. one of the lengthy parts of the process to making ice cream from upwards of 40 minutes down to just three minutes. So here's our inventor making mm-hmm. the ice cream maker for everybody. So I'm pretty sure from what I've seen online, these are, you know, the standard ones that you'll see, like a wooden bucket. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has like a yes. turn on the top, like a handle that you turn. Like yeah, turn so, almost. Yep. And of course, it said Marshall's right on it. This lady. <laughs> um So with the help of the ice cream maker and such interesting and detail-oriented ice cream recipes, Mm -hmm. Marshall uh, helped make a fancy dessert more attainable to the average person and at home, nonetheless. Very cool. Yeah. She was a true pioneer for modern ice cream we know today. She even wrote in 1901 about a possible technique for freezing ice cream at home that she referred to as, quote, like liquid oxygen. Mm -hmm. So you and your guests could add a drop of the liquid oxygen to the other ingredients of the ice cream recipe. And essentially like magic, you have a yummy frozen treat. Well, it doesn't look like she ever actually tried the technique. Mm -hmm. She just kind of, you know said it was a possibility uh it was over a century later that an offshoot of this the what we know now nitrogen ice cream became one of the biggest trends in dessert and you know from what i can tell that might just be the beginning of dip and dots <laughs> mm-hmm. right so after all that and everything that she did uh sadly her life was cut short at the age of 49 
49 and she did yep. all that. Yeah. So uh, just a year before, 1904, Marshall was out riding on her horse and had a bad fall. Um, within the year, um, by 1905, she died of complications from that fall. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, so her husband, again, Alfred, uh, sold the rights to her cookbooks eventually. And while he was able to begin a chain of the Marshall School of Cookery. He began uh, to become a butler for Beth. <laughs> and use all of the recipes. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. There's no proof. <laughs> I mean, his name is Alfred. Just saying. Okay. Sorry. I just had to say uh, it. <laughs> Every time we said Alfred, I was like, mm. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so again, he was uh, began a chain of the Marshall School of Cookery. Um, it included the household goods. Um, he was only able to keep this going though until around the 1940s, uh, around the World War II era. Um, and it was in the 1950s that uh, unfortunately a fire broke out oh, where no. all of AB's personal papers were stored, oh, no. and it destroyed most of what the public knew of her. And that's kind of why we don't really hear too much uh, now. So that's Amy Marshall. Um, I little backstory on how I found out about her. Well, I'm sure you guys, I think, are all aware of this, but I watch a lot of YouTube. I'm subscribed <laughs> to a lot of people. Um, and one of the channels that I follow is Tasting History with Max Miller. Okay. Uh, he goes through uh, recipes all throughout history um, and gives you, again, their history on them, which is pretty interesting to like hear, you know why certain things were used, certain ingredients, and what's, um, I guess, uh, specific ingredients to specific areas and all that. And it's very cool. Uh, One of the things I recently watched on there was a series about all the meals and the menus on Titanic. Oh, cool. Or on the Titanic. Uh, So he would go through the menus during, uh, for like each of the, um, the, what should we call it, levels of people on the ship, yeah. first class, down yep. to mm-hmm. bottom, and like would make one of the recipes that was on the menu. Nice, uh, try it out. So he like tries them on the show for you as he's making them. It's it's pretty cool. What is it called? Uh, so, yeah, tasting history with Max Miller. Okay, I'll have to put a link to it. Sounds very interesting. It reminds me, uh, I someone I follow on Instagram. Now I think you should check out too. Uh, Sandwiches of history. Oh, and nice. He, he does the same thing. He gets these cookbooks and. It's just like a normal guy, like, you know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's funny and he's, he'll just try a sandwich, he'll make it and then sometimes cool. he'll plus it up, you know, like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, let's add a little something to it. And, yeah. Um, very cool. interesting. I wonder if I know each other. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's interesting. Some of the, like the other day he made, I forget what the celebrity was who liked it, like as a, um, that was like their snack or something. And it was, uh basically a black pepper sandwich it was mayonnaise it was mayonnaise and black pepper and that was it and he loved it he uh, he plussed it up by adding basil but he said i wouldn't eat this for lunch because it wouldn't be filling but as a snack he was for it so i was like that is interesting and then there's some other weird things (laughs) like (laughs) um what it was an egg salmon sandwich or something it just a lot of things from the old times (laughs) right why would you do it this way Mm mm-hmm but, uh, yeah, so Sandwiches of History on Instagram. Nice. Okay. Well, um, Max was, you know, again, the one that introduced me, and he tried uh, one of her recipes for cucumber ice cream. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, cucumbers are something I personally like, but apparently he liked it quite a bit, and so it was very refreshing and smooth. 
Well, it's nice, so. you know, when you have your cucumber water, you know, something yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't think of it, but that just that little taste yeah. kind of gives you that boost. You can go to the spa and they're like, oh, have the cucumber water. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, what, I'll, I'll get my hands on one of her recipes, maybe try it, try some ice yeah. cream. Well, like I said, I pulled up a thing right here i got one that just caught my eye oh boy it's called the spread eagle um <laughs> i know uh, all that's in <laughs> yeah um and you know her recipes they're just paragraphs in here there's there's yes. no like breakdown it's, it's just like not like your recipe today it's right. just like mix this with this and make this and do this how you would because that's mm -hmm. the way you do it in those times well, and i do it now that way too like a lot of times when i'm cooking it's overwhelming you can go and say okay i want to find a recipe that's like this and nine times out of ten i will go and find two or three recipes and then i just end up making my own <laughs> based on mm -hmm. what i have in the house and yep. you know i think it Absolutely. helps me know more like it better or feel more confident i guess about what flavors go with what but at this point mm -hmm. like i don't know it's just i don't yeah. know i guess i just need that <laughs> reassurance but the spread eagle let's just see here uh she says take a nice fat bird either chicken <laughs> partridge etc singe and cleanse it split it down the back leave the wings on but remove the breastbone and season it well inside with a little pepper salt and mixed english and french mustard spreading this well over it there I just know. like that whole, <laughs> that was one long, <laughs> one yep. long sentence. Sprinkle over it some chopped lean cooked or raw ham and some escalot, 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 okay. Thyme, okay. parsley, and bay leaf. Cut off the lower part of the legs just above the joint and crack the bones just below the first <laughs> joint. Then place the feet oh, of nice. the bird into the spaces the bones have been taken from. First, cleansing the feet. Then secure up the bird in a flat form. Brush it well over with warm butter or dripping. Put it on a well-buttered baking tin and cook it in a moderate oven for about 20 minutes, keeping it well-basted while cooking. Then take up, remove the trussing skewers, and replace them with silver ones. Dish up the chicken oh, on a hot fancy. dish. Yeah, you got to finish it up nice for the presentation. <laughs> dish up the chicken on a hot dish. Garnish the top and bottom of the dish with a watercress salad and serve. Wow. With capsicum sauce, see recipe, round the dish for breakfast, luncheon, or second course. Mm -hmm. And that's the spread eagle, everybody. So, <laughs> Yeah. What's the term for that, I think, now, though, when you, uh, what is it, spatchcocking, when you flatten out your... The that whole chicken, might be it. basically, something like that. Yeah, yeah. is that? I mean, yep. Yikes! There's so all yeah, science to I doing find, that stuff. Though, like on on the channel, like he will lit, like read the recipe, and it's just like a paragraph or a few sentences, and like do this, this, and this, mm -hmm. and then add this and this, and it's like it's really just telling you the steps. It's not like listing out an ingredient list first. It's it's basically just that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Very interesting, yeah. and uh, no, I would never have guessed that, but I am mm -hmm. going to um, appreciate my ice cream cone tonight yeah. and my ice cream that is chocolate and not cucumber and does not have any other random ingredients in it that yeah. I would not appreciate, <laughs> but no, I will no appreciate it. <laughs> it's actually funny because um, I have. there's another person that I think about often when I have my ice cream. Um, his name is Alfred Crawley, and my kids learned about him, another Alfred, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um, during Black History Month a couple years ago at school, and uh, there's this cute little video they have with kids, you know, online, and talked about how he invented the ice cream scoop, 
And uh, yeah, because back then they would just use like spoons and it would just flop and it, you know, you would have to use two hands to do it because it would stick. So you'd always have to yeah. hold Cold Stone Creamery yet, I guess. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> exactly yeah. what I was picturing. Yeah, he invented a few other things, but he's most known for uh, the ice cream scoop. That's cool. So. And he was uh, alive around the same time as Agnes here from 1866 to 1920. So that's perfect timing. Yep. Look at Alfred that. Alfred Crawley, A.B. Marshall working together hand in hand. Wow. Go figure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, no more by the lick from the no. vendors on the side of the street. <laughs> no. Ugh, gross. That I is, still can't imagine that. That is so, that is so gross. Even as much as I love ice cream, just don't think... Right? Not even pre-COVID, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> pre-COVID, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we did share ice cream with Tyra Banks or rice pudding, I should say. Right. But like, we didn't actually lick it. Yeah, no, no. It wasn't like a train of plate. people coming yeah. through here. Like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. You're waiting in line and like, oh, it's my turn. I'm 37th. <laughs> Gross. And now I have all your diseases. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense why they all lived not so long. <laughs> If everybody was licking the ice cream. (laughs) Come and get your lick. All right. Yeah. All right. So now, okay. I have to do my 20 questions. Yeah, I think you have a better shot. This person is a little more well-known. Okay. But I found their life uh, very interesting behind the scenes. Cool. Oh, behind the scenes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll start off male, female. Uh, Oh, no. So is this a man? No. Nope, we both no, went. Okay. We both went female. Oh, the ladies. Okay. Yes, um, they are both identified as female. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Is this person in the world of like Hollywood? Um. Yes, in a way. Yes. Yes, in a way. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> so then, alive, alive in like the nineteen fifties. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that could be either real early on or really yeah. in their life. That's yeah, well, an interesting response. Yeah. So they were alive. Um, I was like looking at the timeline. Technically, yes. They were still alive in, in 1950. Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Why did like Walt Disney just pop into my head? Is it Walt Disney? Uh, no, I'm pretty no. sure he was a male. But um, Oh, right. Female. <laughs> <laughs> but right. again, you know, things were different back then. Who knows? Um, things were different back then. No, you know, and this person, I wouldn't say, you know, was a Hollywood person, but Hollywood certainly Jason? adored this person eventually. Eventually. And okay. still today. And still today. Yes. Okay. Uh was this person like a child star? No. No, okay. No. So it's not Shirley Temple. Um, was it? Were they a photographer no. though? No. no, no. Okay, no. All right. No, yeah, I got nothing. All right. Uh, <laughs> I will. I'll give you a little hint here. Um, she was from France. Um, and she is known for her trademark suits and little black dresses. Oh, and she, yes. Coco Chanel. Yeah, that's yes. right. Coco mm, Chanel. Yes. Um, she, <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she was born in 1883, another 1800s baby, mm-hmm. a little bit later on, but, uh, they did cross paths. with A.B. Marshall yes. and everything, you know, um, overlapped a little bit. A little bit. Um, she was born actually Gabrielle, Gabrielle, Gabrielle Chanel. <laughs> Ah. Um, 
And, um, you know, she was born August 19th, so coming up soon in France. And, yeah. um, you know, everybody thinks of Chanel as, I mean, luxury brand. So, yes, to this day, I absolutely. mean, Chanel is like Chanel. That, like, um, you know the suits. That's right. But her you early years were anything but glamorous. Um, her mother passed away when she was 11. Oh, wow. And after her mother passed away, uh, her father ended up putting her in an orphanage. Um, he worked as a peddler. He, she had, I believe it was five other siblings. I'm trying to remember. I think she was one of six. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So, she was actually raised by nuns. And that is where she learned how to sew. She learned from the nuns. And that would lead to her life's work. Um now, where the nickname Coco came from, that was completely different uh, because she had a brief career as a singer. Um, and she, yeah, she performed in clubs uh, all over France, and uh, she got the nickname Coco there. And it just kind of stuck. Cool. They said that sometimes um, they, they believe that the name actually came from the word coquette because um, that means a kept woman, like a coquette. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Woman. I can see that. Yeah. So when she was about 20... Um, she started, um, to help with, um, someone's, they were trying to do like a, a venture capital kind of, you know, fashion venture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so she started, she opened her first shop in 1910 and she was selling hats, um, and later added stores and a few other areas and she started making clothes. She had actually, um, had her first success, I guess you could say, uh, was a dress that she had made out of an old jersey she had. And it was a oh. cold day. And she had such a response to the people who were asking her where she got it, where could they find it, and she offered to make one for them. And her fortune, as she's quoted to say, that her fortune was built on that old jersey because it was cold that day. Like, that was... <laughs> wow. The what? Oh, crazy turn of events. You would never have thought that. No. Cool. No. Um, and then she also started designing costumes for the play. There was a few theaters in town. Um, and Pablo Picasso. She helped design things for him. And <clears throat> I swear, I always think he is from way back when. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know, right? It's funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, Pablo Picasso. Hmm. Um, so then in the 20s, she kept moving, but she went a little bit of different different directions, or you could say new heights, but she launched her first perfume, which is, of course, still known today as Chanel Number no. 5. Yep, um, wow. And that was actually the first perfume to feature a designer's name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, perfume. Actually, she, the very first one is number five, not number one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Good marketing um, there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> all the details behind that, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yes, she she would explain that perfume is actually the unseen, unforgettable, ultimate accessory of fashion. Oh. Um, because it heralds your arrival and prolongs your departure. Which is true, because we all know that scent triggers memories and... Sure does. Yeah. It's definitely more long-lasting yes. in a room when you're gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, there was a department store owner and businessman, um, or brothers, a pair of brothers, brothers um the wertheimers and they all backed the perfume so then it they, they negotiated it and the wertheimers were going to take 70 percent of the profits and the other guy was going to take 20 percent because he was selling it and they were using the factory so she was only getting 10 percent so all of this revenue 
and she was only getting ten percent from everything that what she a made. Racket. So I guess there was a lot over the years of trying to renegotiating her contract and all uh-huh. that stuff. Which is also funny to me. Yeah, I always think about, like, law, like, how it's progressed so much. Like, you don't think about things back in the day. Like, divorce back in the day, never heard of it. (laughs) It was, like, just didn't happen. Um, You know, property, like, all these different things. You know, your coffee spilling on your lap. Um, (laughs) Then everybody's just ready to sue you for whatever. In 1925, she introduced what is now known as the legendary Chanel suit. Um, with the collarless jacket, the well-fitted skirt, and um, they were revolutionary for them because it borrowed elements of menswear, and it was emphasizing the comfort. Uh, because back then, with women's popular fashions, it was corset, 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 yep. and everything else that you could confine. Um, yeah, and then her other design was the little black dress. She took yeah. a color that was, you know, everybody thought it was just for mourning, and she just showed how beautiful and chic it could be for evening wear yeah Mm -hmm. and we never looked back no (laughs) no no (laughs) see we can both appreciate the other person black for everything for sure now here's where things took a little bit of a turn um world war ii right so there was a lot going on with her company um she had she had to close her business and get rid of her workers. She had to shut down her shops. Um, she had spent years in Switzerland. Now there's rumors that she was either dating or involved with um, a German soldier, I guess, or a German. I'm not sure, not sure who he was. Let me see if it's out of here again. Um, a military officer, um, <clears throat> and they thought that she got like special permission to stay in certain areas, so there was a lot of times that it took a long time for her to actually come back to the public, like, the public opinion they thought of her as, like, betraying her country. Yeah, um, So that's why she actually had closed up shop for so long, and it wasn't until, which is, which is crazy to me, because once again, you think you're too old <laughs> to do something. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're never too old. Um, she was 70 years old. It was early 1950s, like you predicted in the 50s. Wow. And she came back to fashion after that. Um, and she was, ref- she was like receiving like scathing reviews from critics. Ouch. Um, but her feminine and easy fitting designs, like shoppers all over the world were just loving them. Um, yeah. Was it partly because of what had happened? Was it partly because of it was something different? Um, you know, and of course, like, you know, I'm sure most of the critics back then were men. So <laughs> if they yeah. didn't like the way it looked or whatever, yeah. you know, they would have their side and scene. But I mean, I like, my woman to look. <laughs> she's still around today. I mean, mm-hmm. Chanel is a name that has I've heard my entire life. Yeah. And that's crazy to have such a big gap from when she... Like, just for that iconic suit when she created it in 1925 mm-hmm. to come back in the 50s and it still be something that people understand is, like, uh, uh, something that's fashionable and and they want that comfort. And, and still in the 50s, you were in, like, I, I just picture, like, the little housewife with, like, the big yep. fluffy skirt and, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Uh, it's very interesting. It is. She created something good. Um, so, so, I mean, she never, there was no ever real evidence that she did anything wrong during the war. Um, so it's not really discussed all that much. 
Um, but uh, she did pass away in January of 1971, uh, but she was in her apartment at the Hotel Ritz. Uh, she never married. Uh, she said... Oh, really? She said once, uh, she, I never wanted to weigh more heavily on a man than a bird. Oh. Um, but yeah, she had some, she had some serious relationships. Uh, she just. Obviously the yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she dated the composer Igor Stravinsky. Oh, um, no kidding. And then, yeah. And then, um, the Duke of Westminster, they dated, it said it's the two star decades long relationship. And he proposed, yeah. but she turned down and said, mm-hmm. there have been several duchesses of Westminster, but there's only one Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, and um, I believe, oh, now I'm trying to remember what the quote was. I should have wrote down. Uh, but when she was on her deathbed, she had like um, a nurse or maid there uh, right before her last words were, um, you know, this is how you go. And she was in home in her bed and... Oh. and very lovely. That's how she went. Um, and so a little more than a decade after her death, the wonderful Karl Lagerfeld took the reins over at her company and he continued the legacy. Um, and unfortunately, now Carl's no longer with us, but today her namesake company is still uh, it's held privately by the Wertheimer family, the ones that bought the Chanel number no. five way back in the day. Wow. Still continues to thrive. Yeah. Still generates hundreds of millions in sales each year. Oh, probably. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. I actually, you know, there's there are a few like movies and things on her, but I I don't think I've ever seen them. Um, yeah, there was one I remember seeing, and like the ending of the movie was like her. She had like a um, a show in her apartment or something, mm-hmm. and like you see her like sitting on the stairs and like saying like kind of like essentially like oh I, I did it and yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I but um, I feel like that's one of those things that'll be coming. You know, <laughs> like they've been doing a lot of these movies lately, so I could see yep, that, yep. and I would want to see. It. Uh, yeah, that's Coco uh, Chanel. That's very interesting. I didn't even realize like she had been gone for so long at all. Like I just kind of assumed like created this fashion empire, just you know, beginning to end, like continuously. Like that's pretty cool. And it was just all based on she was cold for a day. I Jesus. know. Well, that, and that's just like the fate of things, right? It's like, it's just so crazy how things work out. I was telling someone recently the story about how I got involved with event planning and everything. And it was just like a chance of, you know, I, I said it out loud. Like I wanted to do it. And I looked a little bit online and I saw oh, there's a conference here. And I go to this little conference, not knowing what to expect. You know, I'm. I'm not in the industry yet. I don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And just by chance at the end, you know, I got the courage. Which I don't know why. I, I'm just, I don't, I, I don't know I who know. I was. But I, I, get I, it. Yeah, <laughs> I had asked the president of the association was there. And I had asked him about, you know, like suggestions about getting into the, th- into the biz, I guess you could say. And he gave me, you know, this woman's name. He said, oh, she's, you know, from your area, New Jersey. And I'm pretty sure she was looking for an intern and emailed her that night and I just said oh hey you know blah 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 I'm looking to get into it we met at uh, Panera (laughs) a couple days later and uh she was she's still like a huge influence in my life we've become like best friends uh and that's Candace obviously (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it just clicked it just like we had so much in common and everything it just fell into place like I interned for her for like a month and then she hired me to work there and then it was just it just worked out, you know, and then... Yeah, go figure. Yeah, I don't know. You just never know. 
just never know. No, you don't. That is very true. Very good. Now, I have a little game. Okay. I figured since we're talking about, you know, interesting people in history, there's just some interesting facts about people around, whether they're alive or gone or whatever, they're celebs. So people know them. All right. All right. And see if you can play along at home, of course. I found I found these interesting. So let's see. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? I, I'm ready. I got. I know the answers. So, <laughs> all right. Which of these celebrities used to be a lion tamer? Was it A. Robert De Niro, B. Christopher Walken, or C. Martin Sheen? I'm gonna go with Christopher Walken. He seems like he would do this. I think you're correct because you are correct. Yes, I would, I would have guessed the same thing of the three of them. He seems I can picture like him doing it a little bit. Odd. He's a deer hunter and mm-hmm. lion tamer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yes, Christopher Walken worked as a trainee lion tamer when he was 16. Um, he's in his 70s now, almost 80s. Uh, but he's dismissed rumors that he ran away from home to join the circus when he was a teenager, and he said he actually got hired as a lion tamer for one summer um and he just knew it was a job that he could turn down <laughs> so cool. like, yeah yeah why not <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do it a little risky but you know gotta yeah, take that on really i mean we know he's got the moves though you've seen him dance right, right? so he yeah can just exactly dance around the lions that's and get what out i was picturing <laughs> yeah <laughs> weapon of choice is a lion <laughs> whip or whatever they use i don't yeah, know it was a chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, all right. This celeb once bid on and won a Mongolian dinosaur skull for $276,000. Was it A, Leonardo DiCaprio, B, Jeff Goldblum, or C, Nicolas Cage? Oh, I feel like this would be Jeff Goldblum because, like, he also seems like an odd enough person that he would want to bid on this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be my my final, final answer. answer. And that's why I put him in there, because I wanted to throw <laughs> you off just Start a little it. bit with the dinosaur <laughs> connection and all that stuff. No. Um, <clears throat> nope. But it's it's going to be Nicolas Cage. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Of I had, Nicolas Cage. I had to do a Nicolas Cage fact. <laughs> and actually, it's a little bit of a trick question, because Nicolas Cage won the bid. And actually outbid Leonardo DiCaprio. They were both <laughs> oh, bidding on this dinosaur skull. Um, however, it was eventually revealed that the skull was stolen. Even By though Jeff the, no, no, yeah, right. no, no, even although the auction was legitimate, that skull that they auctioned off, someone had stolen and oh, you know, goodness. put it in the thing or whatever. So yeah, he had to return the skull. He never received uh, his money back. I was gonna say he gave his money back. Nope. No. I mean, I don't think he could afford it, but well, he was saying, you know, the money belongs to the people of that town, you know, where it's from, and he would be yeah. fine if that's where it went. But he, you know, of course, um, now it's just lost <clears throat> into the yeah. abyss now. So yeah, uh, oh. apparently, you know, he's known for making interesting historical purchases and finds. Uh, very <laughs> much like his national treasure life. Uh, he went on a quest to find the Holy Grail in between films. Oh, like for real? For real, for real. Wow. Gosh, yes. I feel like we would have heard if he found it. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, my God, that'd be funny. <sighs> All right, number three. This celeb okay. invented a hydroponic gardening stand. Oh. 
was it A, Zoe Deschanel, mm -hmm. B, Meryl Streep, okay. or C, Mila Kunis? Oh, I want to go with Meryl Streep. I think she's pretty smart. And I feel like she would do this. Yeah, I think she's smart, but not as smart as Zoe Deschanel because no? she's the uh. one who invented it. Yeah, she invented the farm stand. It's an upright structure that promises to grow the same garden that you might on like a whole 40 square foot farm. What? Um, but with little effort and no pesticides. I know. I'm like, I need to get this because that would oh be great. God. I mean, I have some space, but it would be nice if it just went like this. Yeah. So, yeah, that's called the farm wow. stand. Farm okay. Stand. All right, number four. Before he was a household name, this celeb taught high school drama in his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. Was it A, Steve Carell, B, Conan O'Brien, or C, John Hamm? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, I don't know who's from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I want to say Steve Carell. I'm guessing that's wrong, though. Um, is that your answer? <laughs> that's my answer. You yes. Okay. Yes, you're wrong. No, that's not right. Yes. That's okay, though. Um, no, it's actually wrong. John Hamm. Uh, oh, he man. taught. Yeah, that would have been a class and a half. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, he taught when he was very young, and he taught, um, like, preschool in the beginning, and then he eventually went to high school, and he taught drama preschool, class. I can't imagine that. And Ellie Kemper, who was his co-star in The Unbreakable yeah. Timmy Schmidt, was one of his students. Oh, uh, like she said that he was, you know, like, the handsome teacher, of course. So that of, was like, course, oh, of course, of course he was. Like, yeah, I know, he's still the <laughs> handsome teacher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, John Hamm, and he said that actually could still be a fallback career for him. Oh, Yeah. I if, can, he, uh, doesn't if he doesn't uh, want to act, he said he would go back to teaching because he enjoyed Perfect. it. Perfect. And it's it's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, um, for sure. he does. Yeah, and I'm sure. <laughs> now he could be a professor. Who wouldn't hire him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he could uh, level up a Who, little bit. What school would say we turned down yeah. John Hamm? Like, no. Nobody. <laughs> nope. Nope, nope, nope. Cool. Uh, all right. Last one. Oh, no. I have a couple more. I forgot. I, had okay. I forgot to add another one. <laughs> um, I'll mix it up a bit. Um, okay. This actress graduated from Boston University and is a member of Mensa. Is it uh, A, Julianne Moore, B, Gina Davis, or C, Marissa Tomei? Ooh, Boston, <clears throat> University. Boston University. Um, oh, no, I think Gina Davis. Ding, ding, yay, you got it, correct. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> she is um, a member of Mensa. She's considered to have an IQ within the upper 2% of the population. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. And an extra wow. fun fact that actually all of these actresses went to Boston University. Oh, so they're all very that? smart. But yes. Uh, wow. Crazy. 2% of the population, that's nuts. Holy. All right. Her. Last one here, taking it way back. We're going okay. presidential here. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, this president was an enthusiastic dog breeder. Was it A, George Washington, B, Thomas Jefferson, or C, Theodore Roosevelt? Mm, I feel like it would be Theodore Roosevelt. I feel like he just would like dogs. He seems like the kind of guy that would like dogs. And that's why I put him in here to throw you off, man. <laughs> of I am just, I'm just... <laughs> You know, I just pictured Teddy up on his horse, the Rough Riders, know. you know, all that whole thing. And I was like, oh, if he was, <laughs> if anybody was going to be breeding dogs, 
is going to be Teddy. <laughs> Shoot. But it was actually our first president. Uh, it was George Washington. Really? Yes. He bred mostly wow. hunting hounds, to which he gave names like Sweet Lips and Drunkard. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Oh, yep. Imagine. Hey, Sweet Lips. Hey, come sweet here. Lips, come here. <laughs> We're going to take out my wooden teeth Dinner. now. <laughs> yeah, I don't need a stick. Just throw your teeth. It's fine. Yep. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought those were interesting facts about some interesting people. Very cool. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, we got a shout out to our buddies over at Buzzsprout. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about them every episode. We're going to talk about them this episode. We wouldn't leave them out. Um, you know, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, it's super simple. Uh, and Buzzsprout makes it simple for you. They'll get your show listed in every major podcast platform. They'll set you up with a podcast website, audio players. You can drop in other site and links to see how people are listening and so much more. Yeah, uh, if you follow the link in the show notes, uh, Buzzsprout lets you know that we sent you there. Uh, it gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And as always, helps support our show. So podcasting isn't hard, and especially when you have the right partners like Buzzsprout. The team there is passionate about helping you succeed. And if we can do it, so, so can, can you. you. Very good. And my best friends over at Instacart, I mean, really, at this point, uh, they should be paying me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they're the go-to service for quick and effective delivery. So many things you might just need. Uh, all those things are right at your fingertips with Instacart, and they could be in your hand as quick as one hour, including COVID tests, because some people might need them still. Mm-hmm. That was us. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you don't want to go out, just use Instacart. <laughs> If you can't go out, just use Instacart. Mm-hmm. You just don't uh, want to go out. You just yeah, use Instacart. You just don't want to be social. You don't want to nope. deal with people. Driving is nah. not your thing. Instacart. Yep. If you want to send your mother-in-law a birthday present while she's in Florida, hey, Instacart. They'll give Instacart. you flowers and cake. Perfect. I said I sent that to her. Was it for her birthday? Oh, it was Mother's Day. Right. They were down there for Mother's Day. Such a good idea. Instacart. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So go to instacart.oloiyb.net uh, slash this that pod for their current promos and extensive selection. Very nice. Well, I am just about historyed out. Yeah. But I want to like go and like flip through that cookbook, <laughs> the book of yeah, cookery. Yeah, for real. I All would love <laughs> to uh, try to make something <laughs> based on those recipes Definitely. and. Uh, lack of direction and yeah. you know just like hey you you got this <laughs> you wing it <laughs> you got 700 yeah, pages to choose from minus no, like I, three I mean, for the index you gotta start with the first one the book of ices like that's yeah, all that's ice true. cream i think so I guess so <laughs> i guess so uh but thanks as always for tuning in everybody and being here with us feel free to share us with someone you know we'll never turn down a nice little rating or review if you'd like to leave one or both for us uh you can give us a follow on instagram this that underscore pod visit our website this that pod.com uh we've got our voicemail up there 848-305-8830 i think that's about it so for my co-host danielle i'm stephanie and remember with friends anything is possible see you later This, That, and the Other Thing with Danielle Messina and Stephanie Rossi is recorded at Landbridge Records. Special thanks to Rigby for providing our theme song and incidentals. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at thisthat underscore pod and our website, thisthatpod.com.